you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, get a little spark, trying to evaluate what we're doing and, and how we're functioning as an offense. And, um, you know, wanted to give them some time with, with Taylor and kind of Nate's progression and kind of what we were doing. And um, just felt like now was the time. And sitting in that game, sitting where I was, um, made the decision during the game and then, you know, just was able to think about it, evaluate it, you know, and and move forward and make a decision um, to, to try to spark the offense, to try to do something to to get us going, to score some points and uh, to help us win. That's Titans head coach Mike Vrabel from his press conference on Wednesday discussing the Titans quarterback change as Marcus Mariota has been replaced in the starting lineup by Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill sang, it's a bittersweet moment for him. It's a really tough situation. Um, like you said, really excited for my opportunity and being able to go do what I love to do, which is play football and compete. Um, but at the same time, I have a lot of feelings for, for Marcus and, and what he's going through. So I think it's my responsibility to this team is when we're out on this field and, and we're practicing, preparing, is, is to go out with, with uh, energy and enthusiasm and, and, and lead the guys around me. But uh, at the same time, you know, when I'm talking with Marcus and, and dealing with Marcus, you know, I have a, a ton of empathy for what he's going through. And uh, I know it's not easy. So he's been nothing but a, a professional through and through throughout this process. Um, really, really uh, just kind of speaks to the man he is, how he's dealt with this. Obviously, he's hurting, um, but he's, he's handled it like a true pro. And uh, that says a lot about him. New Titans starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill along with Mike Vrabel leading off this edition of the OTP, the official Titans podcast. Mike Keefe with Amy Wells, Jim Wyatt, and also Coach Dave McGinnis here. Um, kind of a I – don't, I don't exactly know what the word is to begin with. Certainly monumental day for this organization as a quarterback that you drafted number two overall and has been your guy for the last five years – removed from the lineup and replaced by a guy that you traded for in the offseason, a former high number one pick in his own right, Ryan Tannehill. I would have to say that everyone publicly handled the situation well. I agree. I mean, you know, Ryan Tannehill certainly, you know, showed some empathy for Marcus Marotta and what he's going through. It's not an easy situation. He even said this on Sunday in Denver when he replaced him in the starting lineup, and now that he's replacing him as the starter, it it is the kind of a turning of the page for the time being. Marcus Mario goes into the background, a situation he's not used to being in. I expect him to be a great teammate. I expect Ryan Tannehill to kind of take the bull by the horns and move forward. And uh, this is a business, and it's not easy, but you have to make decisions that you think will spark improved results. And that's what Mike Vrabel, John Robinson, uh Amy Adams strunk to some degree. I think when you make a big decision like this, you have to do it with the team in mind. Can't worry about hurting somebody's feelings. And now we'll see where the season goes from here. Coach Mack, I want to ask you a, a couple of questions about the mechanics of how this thing comes down. People have said to me, um, why don't you announce this on Monday? And NFL teams don't generally announce a significant quarterback change on a Monday. Why do they not do that? Well, first of all, you need time to discuss it with all the relevant parties. This is not a knee-jerk reaction. 
you don't not make a, a, a decision like this for your football team in a vacuum. You just you just don't do it. And then you give yourself some time because normally you're doing it because something not good has happened, you know, before or in the most recent ball game. You take the emotion completely out of it. You take the emotion out of it. You bring all the relevant parties in. You discuss it. You throw back and forth. You have somebody play devil's advocate one way. You discuss it all around, and then you come to a consensus. And when you do that, then you inform the parties that are involved, in this case the two quarterbacks. They're the most important people once you've, all the relevant decision makers have made their decision, and then you move on. The quarterback situation is, is obviously so huge towards game plan they put this thing together, one would guess, on Monday night. They certainly told the quarterbacks on Tuesday what was going to happen, and then they informed the team and discussed it with the media on Wednesday. From a coach's standpoint, describe sort of what's been going on from after Mike Vrabel's Monday press conference until he met with the media today, roughly that 48-hour period. Well, uh, Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, you know, have Arthur Smith and the offensive staff. You know, they, they talk to them. You, you involve Amy Adams-Strunk. I mean, that's what's involved with the defensive coaches. Yeah, this is, you're saying this is big enough that you got to talk to the owner oh, about it. Oh, absolutely you talk to the owner about it. You talk to the owner about, about all these decisions because this is, you know, the, the, these are important. I've done this before. You, you have to do that. That's what you do. It goes back to what I said. You don't you don't operate like this just in a space by yourself at all. But the defensive staff, they're aware of what's going on. They're not involved in this decision. You know, they're 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 involved in their game plan and continuing to keep you know their side of the ball. You know, working with what's going on. And so, the coaches are involved only up to the point that they're going to be involved in the decision. And once the decision is made, they've got to go back to start to work because you've got a game plan to get together. All right, now the head coach, the general manager, then you know they're going to take it from there, and then you you bring the players in, you bring the players in, you talk to them, and then you move forward because that's what you have to do. Everything is time concentric in the National Football League. No matter whether you've got a small decision to make or a big decision to make after a ball game, the process of getting ready for the next ball game it's moving forward on the same time frame. And you're trying to keep there from being a lot of discussion, a lot of everything going on around it, other than just what the job is. The job remains the same: get the offense ready for the Chargers. Well, absolutely, and that's what you have to do. Not only offense, you got to get your defense sure. ready. You got you got to get your team ready. I mean, and the thing, the thing that it all comes down to, Mike, and, and the thing that everybody appreciates and what makes a decision, I've made hard decisions like this before as a head coach, but the thing that, that overrides all of it, as long as you're open and you're honest, you're open and you're honest with all parties involved, well, then some people may not like it. Most people don't like it. I mean, I didn't like it when I had to make those decisions, but you take the personal side out of it. You, you value, you really do, you value and you treasure the, the relationships you have with your players. But at the same time, when you, when, you get, when you get a head coaching job in this league, you have to make hard decisions. You have to make hard decisions, and you've got to take emotions out of it, and that's just the way it is. The circle widens once people start to know uh, particularly on Tuesday. The story, however, did not get out until Ian Rappaport reported Tuesday night roughly 8 o'clock or so. Uh, Amy Wells, were you surprised it took that long to get out that Tannehill was taking over for Mariota? You know, not really. Um, I think that that was going to be something that 
out of respect for Marcus, especially, people were going to try and keep kind of close to the vest. I think that our coaches wanted to be very aware of who they were telling and how they addressed it. Um, I'm not surprised that it came out on Tuesday night before the actual press conference happened. That just is kind of how news works in the NFL these days. But I really think that there were a lot of people who were privy to the situation who wanted to handle it delicately because you are talking about someone who has been invested in this team and has been a huge part of this franchise for the last four or five years, you know? So it's definitely something that I think people were trying to be delicate and respectful about. But no, I'm not surprised that it was leaked at all. But but I'm saying, are you surprised that it lasted as long as it did? I figured it would get out Tuesday afternoon. Oh, no, I'm not really surprised. Jim? I have to say I am a little bit just because... Uh, I, I don't think anybody from inside this building leaked the news. But right. I, but I think once you start to tell the players, then they tell their agents. Or if you notify some other of the key leaders on this team, they tell their agents. And that's when stuff, you know, leaks out. I mean, as a former beat guy who uh, covered this team for the Tennessean for so many years, I can tell you uh, when, a situ- when a story like this is unfolding I, I probably wouldn't have slept uh from the time mike vrabel said that on monday all the way you until wouldn't it come out because i we would have you. tried so hard to get the story and i know that that other people are doing the same thing now that now um, the national guys have a good pulse with these agents and i i think they give them a heads up i i, I think i was surprised that uh you know, I, I usually expect to hear, see Schefter in on some of these things. I, I guess I was a little surprised that Rappaport scooped Schefter to some degree. It was a good get for him. Yeah. There, he I said mean, on the OTP he takes his phone in the shower. But, but And he gets a lot. I mean, I'm not just trying to slide him by saying sure. I'm surprised he got it, but I know when all of the Marcus uh, stuff at the end of last season came out about his injury uh, and not playing in the game against the Colts, that came from ESPN, and I kind of, you know, maybe connected the dots there thinking that maybe when something coming down the pike with Marcus this time around might go to ESPN as well just because of some of the behind the scenes stuff but it didn't happen I mean you, you know some of, these, and got him. some of these stories happen coming from family like if you had planned to have a bunch of family in for this weekend and you find out you're not going to play you might call that family and say listen you're you're not going to need to hustle in, and then a family member lets it out to somebody. You'd never know where it can come from. Well, I've been through these before. I mean, whether it was Locker and Hasselbeck, whether it was yeah. Young or Collins, I mean, uh, and you – I was calling people uh, – I'm not going to give away sources or what stuff I did to try to get stories, but you've definitely got to think outside the box because, again, I don't think it came from inside this building. So you better start finding agents. You better start finding family. You better start finding some other people who might have some insight on it, and that's uh, that's what happened. Do you worry, Dave McGinnis, in this day and time about your players hearing it from somewhere other than or hearing it from someone other than you or do you just say in these times we can't control it the way we want to it's harder than it used to be it, it really is i mean the social media the way the, the way it is now and, and again you know the players probably had a pretty good idea you know anyway of, of, of what's going to go on even if they're not privy to the to the inside part of it but the, look the grapevine in the locker room you know that travels pretty fast too 
And so I'm not, I'm sure there's not a whole lot of them that were just completely oblivious to what was going on. And it's hard on a Tuesday, too, just because you, the team, you know, guys come in here and get some work done during the day off. But he was not going to be able to tell the entire team until today. So you had a, you know, ideally Mike Vrabel makes a decision, tells the quarterbacks, and he's able to immediately tell the team. Well, the team didn't come together until this morning. So it's unfortunate that the, a lot of those guys have to find out uh from other than the coach's mouth, but that that's that's the way it goes. That's the world we live in now. But again, I think that's why they kept it an intentionally small circle because they didn't want the team to find out from social media. They didn't want people talking about it necessarily and having it be this big buzz when everyone comes in on Wednesday morning before the head coach has even had a moment to say anything to his team about it. So that's why I think that they kept it as close to the vest as they could to keep it from getting out. No surprise that Mariota would do a good job as he did in the locker room today. And uh, also no surprise that his teammates were not only supportive of him, but at the same time saying, Tannehill's the guy and we're ready to go. Yeah, and any sad feelings or or, uh, feeling sorry for your buddy, I mean, those go away if you, when you start winning games. And that's what this team needs to do now behind Ryan Tannehill. You need to try to figure out a way to win and put all this stuff behind it. Because right now, people feel bad for Marcus. I mean, he's a great guy. You can't help but like him. And he carries himself with such a professional. You know, you can say what you want to about his leadership or whether he's quiet. He, he leads by the way he carries himself. So I, I think guys are genuinely, genuinely feel sorry for him. But you win a game on Sunday, win a game the Sunday after that, Win a game the Sunday after that, and and let's go. Uh, I mean, things are, are rolling, and and the feelings get left in the rearview mirror. That's the hope for the Titans. The hope for Marcus Mariota is that maybe by hitting the pause button and stopping and watching, it'll slow down for him, and he'll be able to sort of get back into the groove that we've seen him have at different points in this. Look, anytime, anytime you have a a, a, a locker room emotion because of because of Production. As long as as the players know that this play this this player, no, I'm not even talking about Marcus. I'm talking about any player has prepared and has worked, but they just are not quite getting it done. That the the respect factor for those players doesn't go down at all. I mean, it doesn't it it doesn't go it doesn't go down. Being demoted and 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 if you're not performing up to expectations, it's part of the business. Now, once it gets once it gets to to the point as to where you f- you feel like you're beyond the point of no return, well, then all of a sudden, I mean, it, look, everybody's accountable in the National Football League, coaches and players. You've heard me say this one thousand times, and I'll keep saying it. Every day is an interview. You're not guaranteed or given anything. I mean, look. I promise you, not just saying, I I worked as hard as I could. I worked hours, 25 hours a day. I got fired, okay, because I didn't win enough football games. That's just the nature of the game that we're in. Who is Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback, the guy who's taking over the Tennessee Titans as the starter on Sunday? Well, he's had 88 starts in the National Football League, and he's got the requisite skills to do it, uh, you know, to to play. I mean, and, and people talk about that he hasn't been durable well yes he has he missed one year because of an acl which we would all miss we'd all miss work with an acl okay but i mean he he can make he can make all the requisite throws he's still got his mobility you know even you know once once the acl has been has been has been repaired that's why he was brought in here he's got the requisite skills to do what they want to do within the framework of this offense and there will be some things that he will like more 
about some of the plays or some of the schemes or some of the game plans that he will like maybe more than what Marcus liked. I mean, they will involve him immediately saying, what do you like? What do you like? What do you feel comfortable with? But he's got the ability to make the, the offense work. And I hope fans give him a chance. I mean, he's to many people, he's the guy that's taking Mariota's place. And, and for some reason, that makes him a bad guy. You know, the, the Marcus fans out there seem like they want to dismiss Ryan Tannehill or they want to give up on the team because Marcus is not the guy anymore. Ryan Tannehill's a really good guy himself. He's a family guy. He's uh, always handled himself with professionalism because teammates really liked him in Miami when he came here and his teammates really like him here so uh, I think he is going to step in I think he's going to play well Uh, you know if he struggles or has some issues I I hope people are not quick to to jump him because uh, you know he deserves a a fair crack at this just like Marcus Mariota did and for Tannehill too the other part is now he gets first team reps now he gets ready to do what he's used to doing. He had never been a backup in this league, had never prepared as a backup until six weeks ago, and now he goes back to the role with which he's more familiar, and you get a chance to see him in an offense that he would have worked on all week, and they'll have the running game as something that he really didn't have as an accompanying feature in the fourth quarter at Denver. Well, and that's the thing that people need to remember. This offense is still the offense that we've been excited about. You know, this is still the offense that has Derrick Henry and Delaney Walker and Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. We still have all of these weapons around, and we have a guy stepping up to quarterback who has done it before. I mean, he's stepping into, as you said, the role that he's more familiar with. He said in the press conference today that having the experience of standing on the sidelines was new because he had to prepare in a different way. But he said the game really slowed down for him being able to watch it from that different perspective. So having him in a spot where his brain has been kind of working in overdrive, you know, we talk about mental reps all the time. He's been taking a lot of mental reps, especially on game days, just trying to stay in the game and stay mentally engaged in it. I think that that's something that Titans fans should be excited about, having someone who's experienced, who knows how to run an offense, and is running all of an offense with the offensive weapons that we have. What is his challenge going to be against Gus Bradley's Chargers defense? Well, I mean, don't get fooled by this defense, by their lack of numbers of sacks. When you stick on the tape, they're put, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and Gus has always been able to do that. He's been able to do that basically with a four-man rush, and then he'll bring – He'll bring some safeties, but here, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill has played a lot. He's played a lot, and, but when you get back out there and it's live and it's going full speed again, this is, I mean, I know he had the, the little bit at Denver, but the Denver ball game, you know, at that point, especially in the fourth quarter, w- w- was somewhere different than starting a football game. This, this defense, Gus Bradley, and again, we've had protection issues. Protection issues have been put on tape. Protection issues have been put on tape, and and Gus Bradley will attack those protection issues until they fix them. Titans better protect them. I mean, because if 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 the offensive line does not protect him better than they have Marcus Mariota at this point, he's gonna have the same issues that we've seen from this offense so far. And uh, he was sacked again. You know, he didn't have the running game on his side late in that game, in, you know, against the Broncos, but he was sacked four times and and. 20 minutes so uh, they've got to do a better job of keeping him upright and keeping him from getting hit so much that he's a little bit skittish in the pocket and they've got to find the running game 
people aren't going to let you run the football. You're going to have to prove that you can pick it up and throw it. Because people have, have are, I mean, you can you can look at it and see. I mean, last week at Denver, there were nine people in the box. And they're going to be like that to start the football game. So you are going to have to prove that you can pick it up to throw it, all right, to back them off. Because now what the book the book's been laid down, if you get this run game stopped, all right, well, then you're, you're going to be able to pressure, you know, a quarterback you know, when you make them one-dimensional, when they when they have to throw it. So you've got to still prove you've got to get separation, you've got to get protection, and you've got to prove that you can back them off of you. Is there a receiver that can benefit the most from Ryan Tannehill's emergence as the starting quarterback? Well, I think they – I think – Clearly, I mean, his one of his strengths. One of his strengths has always been he's been a decent chain mover when he was a quarterback. And so, you know, you get you got you got, you got Delaney Walker and Adam Humphreys, the slot option guys that they are. And also, I mean, we've got a big combat catcher, and there's going to be contested throws. And AJ Brown is is that. And so, I mean, I think they can all benefit from it, but they're going to have to benefit from the protection first. It really doesn't matter if you don't get separation and you don't get protection and it's not working hand-in-hand. That's got to work first. I was thinking he was going to say Adam Humphreys. Yeah. Well, he kind of did. He kind of did. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, he'll be on the field. <laughs> <laughs> do they play more three receiver sets with him, or do they stay with as much two tight end? How do you, how do you see what fits him? Well, Just, I, I haven't been back there in Arthur's office yet. I know. I'm going to go back there and drive some plays. Yeah, I'm going to go back there and sit and look at the board. <laughs> and, and that, so I mean, you just we we'll have to wait and see. Okay, we'll wait and see. But I mean, that, but but they can do all of it. You're he, saying he's got. Look, this team, this team is relatively a healthy football team. He's got all everything at his disposal, Mike. You know, being serious with you, he's got everything at his disposal that he can do. We'll see. We'll see what they think the matchups are. Every week, the personnel that you put out there clearly are something that you want to be favorable for you against the defense you are playing in that week. We'll see what this coaching staff thinks their favorable personnel matchups are. I want to ask you, speaking of healthy, Jeffrey Simmons on the practice field today. Pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, when he was drafted, you know, I along with a lot of other people, wondered if we see him uh, in 2019. And I thought if we did, it would be in November or December. So the fact that he's out there here heading into week seven, yes, he's got a big knee brace on his uh, knee. And yes, it's going to take him a while to kind of get his conditioning back and to kind of get a feel for playing again. But he looks good to me. And from listening to him, it sure sounds like he is confident in his ability to go out there and play. Will he play on Sunday? I guess kind of remains to be seen how this practice week goes, but he's he's coming. I mean, he's he's playing soon. Amy spent some time with him today for Titans Radio. I did spend some time with him. He's so excited. He is just so happy to be back on that field, and he was so thankful, which kind of struck me because people aren't generally thankful for uh, tearing their ACL. But he was thankful that – having that injury afforded him some of the opportunities that he's had to get a lot of extra work and build some relationships early and really kind of come into his own before he's even gotten on the field. So, but man, he was just happy to play football again. I asked him what the hardest part of this whole kind of rehab journey has been for him. And he said, I miss playing football. Yeah. <laughs> like it really was just, he wanted to play ball. That's it. And I, I respect that. It shocks me that he's coming back this early. It really does. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. I've been around this a long time. And, I, I mean, but, I mean, he's, he's a different dude. I mean, when we were sitting before the draft, Mike Keith, 
watching tape, you know, said this is a dude. I mean, it's 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 different, and it's going to be. I mean, it 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 really really shocks me that he's as far along as he is. And I'll, I know this: once he gets back in step and gets back in tempo, you're going to notice it. You will notice it, and you're not going to be able to sneak that big unit on the field without <laughs> noticing him. I promise you. And, and your contention is the reason you can't because he does everything well. Yeah, I mean this. I mean that. Look, there's only so many humans like that on the planet that can play ball that have what he that have what he has. I mean, we we've seen him before. I've been around a lot of them, but they're they're, they're special. He can rush. He can beat double teams. I mean, he can he can absolutely destroy the center guard triangle. If you wanted to do that, he's he's going to be great to run games with. I can't wait to see what they do with him once he gets well and right. It's a lot of a lot of things thing, things we used to do with Hainsworth and with Kyle Vandenbosch, where we'd absolutely just destroy an edge of a defense. You know, with all the things that Jim Washburn would do with him. This guy can do it all. You don't put him in there. I mean, and you don't put him in there and say, well, we can only do certain things with him. He can do it all. And from the interior, that's really something nice to have. And I tell you, the guy that's really going to enjoy it is Casey. Because all of a sudden, if this young if this young guy is healthy enough as to where he can really unload, well, then now they've got a decision to make protection-wise, and they've got a decision. All these double teams that Jarrell Casey has been living with for quite a while, either they're going to go away or they're going to pay for them. Were you surprised that the Rams traded Marcus Peters to Baltimore and then traded for Jalen Rams? The Rams haven't been drafting anybody since Jeff Fisher left. <laughs> I mean, they've, they, they, they've used Stan Kroenke's money to spend and buy, you know, big money free agents. And, you know, they don't value number one draft picks. I don't know if it's because they don't think they can make them or they don't, but uh, it didn't surprise me. I Are mean, they just looking for a Thursday in April off? I th- well, and the, the, the things to me is, I mean, and plus – Guys, if you want to really get down to what's going on, I mean, the Rams are desperate right now. They've got a $5 billion stadium that they've got to fill. They're 3-3. Three and three. They missed their window last year when they got into the Super Bowl and then completely got shut down. Bill Belichick gave people a book on how to get that stuff stopped. Everybody has been using it, and now they're desperate. I mean, and so eh, they got one of the best corners in the league. I'll, I'll give them that. They got one of the best corners in the league now. You know, draft picks are only valuable, Mike, if you know what you're picking. All right? Let's just say that. How will Jalen Ramsey fit in Los Angeles? Well, I don't know Jalen Ramsey personally. Okay. I don't know. But I mean, but he's a big personality. I guess. Yeah. Well, there'll be, let me just say this. Okay. There'll be plenty for him to do. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think when you saw that, Jim White? Yeah, I, thought, I think it's perfect for him. I mean, he's an L.A. kind of guy, uh, you know, kind of going back and forth on Jalen. I mean, I, I love Jalen through the draft process as we kind of got to know him. And then when he's playing for the Jaguars and kind of stirring some things up, you, uh, I didn't appreciate him as much. And now I'm, I'm kind of in some ways glad that I'll be able to like him again because I think he's got a funny personality. And mm-hmm. I think he's a good player. And I think uh, I think he's did exactly what he wanted to do and that's to get out of Jacksonville and to get to a place like LA so I think it's a perfect uh, fit for him I'm surprised that, that LA gave up uh, 
couple of first round picks for it. Though. Two number ones Man. and a four. Yeah, I think he's a pain. I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, dude. It kind of takes, I mean, the, the, with the Titans Jags rivalry, it's kind of will lose a little bit with Jalen leaving uh, because he was good for stirring it up. Nah, someone else will step <laughs> up. I mean, what we don't need is more stir it up, guys. I think we've got enough but here's just around right now. I mean, here's Jacksonville, though. Two number ones in each of the next two years. Yeah, I'm not excited about that. I mean, Jacksonville has a bad habit of taking whatever in my brain I want the Titans to do and doing it two picks before the Titans pick. Like Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen. Time and time again, we'll be sitting at the draft, and I'm getting excited. My guy's still on the board. My guy's still on the board. And every time goes to the Jags. I'm tired of it. And I bet you it's going to happen for the next two years. Well, I have two picks. Uh Uh-huh. So there's a lot that – I mean, I think they – for them and for the situation they were in with Ramsey and how he had made it obvious he just wasn't going to – he just was not going to reconnect or reengage with them. I don't think they had any choice, and they made a good deal for a bad situation. They made a great deal. He wasn't going to reconnect with Tom Coughlin. Let's just get it out there. I mean, that's, that's, that's the issue. All right, that's, that's the issue they had. And, and the owner tried to reconcile it. He tried to reconcile it, but he, you know, he was, he was like a divorce lawyer. He finally said, you know what, y'all can't do it. You know, you, you can't do it. But he did, he did hold his water, the owner did, long enough as to where he found a desperate team. Okay, because he knew what he wanted to get out of it. Because Jalen Ramsey's a really good football oh, player. Yeah. He's really good. And, and corners that can do that in the National Football League are valuable. Now, you know, if it's a piece that might put you somewhere, but he wanted to get a return on his investment, and he played his cards right. I give, I give, I give Khan a lot, a lot of credit for what he did because he held his water pretty tight in a in a in an untenable situation. And when he knew that the divorce was imminent, he held it until he found a desperate trade partner. And I think they, I, I think they did a, I think. All of the pluses on this trade went to the Jacksonville. I really do think it is incredible that they were able to find someone who would pay that much for Ramsey after all of the recent shenanigans that he has pulled. The calling in sick for practice, which I've never heard of in my life, or the mythical back injury that just came out of nowhere and we don't really know what is going on with that with him publicly saying time and time and time again I hate it here I don't want to be here like it would take a lot of perhaps desperation as coach Mack has said to want to get in bed with a player like that you well, know but you always think you can fix him right when you're when you're a coach or a GM or whomever there there's always somebody out there who thinks they can fix you can never fix them yeah, I mean, the Raiders thought they could fix Antonio Brown. Right. We saw how that worked out. So but, uh, but, well, I mean, the Raiders have fixed a lot of guys yeah. over the years. I mean, you have to give them credit. Look, Jalen Ramsey's a player. Oh, big-time player. And plus, their their cornerback situation in, 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 in L.A. was desperate. And now that their offense is not ginning 35 and 40 points a game, they need their defense to be able to step up. They haven't been playing great defense either. They needed that, and, and Wade needs that to play his scheme. He needs guys that can lock up the corner so he can do some things interior that he needs to do. Well, because he makes it 10 on 10. He, he absolutely does. And so he's, he's got a guy. They got a guy. And, again, if they don't value the draft capital now, for it to work to the optimum level for Jacksonville, they have to pick the right players. Right. Fair. I'm just saying that 
once Jalen gets unhappy for whatever reason that makes him angry, I think his back injury is going no, to flare up. I think he's, he's going to be, be happy surprised. for a while because he's also going to get a contract. That's true. That's the other thing that's coming. Well, they've got some contract issues out there, too, that they've got to decide, but you're right. I mean, if they want I mean to keep they'll pay him, him, though. If they want to keep him, they're going to have to give him a contract, and they, and they will pay him. Couple things about Sunday's game. Remember the Titans and the Chargers 305 start at Nissan Stadium. It means Titans Radio is on the air at 2 p.m. Central Time. Fans attending Sunday's Titans Chargers game are asked to bring non-perishable food items to donate to Second Harvest Food Bank of Middle Tennessee. Volunteers will be stationed outside of Nissan Stadium beginning at 1 and will accept donations until kickoff. Please help Second Harvest Food Bank of Middle Tennessee this Sunday as the Titans host the Chargers. Also Sunday, if you arrive and go ahead and get your ticket scanned, or I guess it's a pass now, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, kind of like a beep situation. Okay. If you, if you go into the stadium, if you go through the gates, go into the stadium between 105 and 220, $5 Miller Lite, $5 Bud Light cans, and dollar hot dogs. Also, fans who enter Nissan Stadium before 2.20 p.m. Central Time will be entered to win one of three prizes, a $1,000 cash prize and two $500 cash prizes from Pinnacle Financial. Yeah, so here's the secret to winning some cash. Get to the stadium early, walk through the gates when they open, so then you don't even have to think about what time it is. When the gates open, you walk inside, get you a beer, get you a hot dog, sit and enjoy your life. You might win some money. Boom. And I think the first 30,000 also get a Titans hat, which is pretty cool. I saw someone in the building today. Uh, it's a nice, it's sponsored by Nissan. There's a Titans hat. That, it's a trucker's hat. Yeah, it's a pretty cool oh, hat. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. Nissan trucker hat. So well, that's, because they put up the new the new Nissan Titan mm-hmm. at Nissan Stadium today. Did anybody see that? I'm waiting for I did. For I, saw, I saw a video. Ah, uh, that's what I'm looking it's for. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. It's a great looking truck. So that's going on, and you don't want to sell the anthem singer short, uh, Mason Ramsey, uh, performing uh, the national anthem. On, How old is he? <laughs> what is he? Uh, he's he young. looks about eight he or nine. 12? Is he 12? Yeah, he's probably 12. I don't Hang know, on. Coach. You, he may, you he might drive to the game Mason and surprise Ramsey us all. So. I'm looking at it. You should see the look I'm getting from Dave McGinnis right now. Hang on. According to he was born in two thousand six. He's twelve. He's he's 12. 13. No, he's no kin to Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but <laughs> no, he's Mason, not. Uh, no. Not going to trade him to Los Angeles. Yeah. Not Mm-mm. before he does the anthem on Sunday. So you got Mason Ramsey you know there. He's got to be excited yeah. about it and good for the young man. <laughs> Absolutely. He's the one that yodeled in Walmart. I know Walmart. he did. He oh, okay. tore Walmart up. Yes, he did. <laughs> and then uh, you've what's got, halftime? You got good. Brett Young is oh, performing a big deal halftime show, and then the. National champion Fandy Boys are going to be the twelfth Titans. So pretty good festivities around. I like that the game. I like all of it. Yep, and a, and hopefully a win. Yes, but hopefully please. Mason Rands will be yodeling after a victory. On That's Sunday. right. That's great. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Whatever he wants to do, if we <laughs> win, he wants to do. I don't care. He could come up and take over Titans Radio for the post game. <laughs> do you think he does the win. yodel at that uh, for the anthem, or you think he keeps it just keep plays it straight? Oh no, you've got to put a yodel in there. For no, him. You, what do you have to lose? That would be disrespecting the anthem there. Yeah, you think so? Oh yeah. No, I don't. I'm not saying the whole thing. No, I but think you've got to give it a little like yodel note at the end. You have to. <laughs> wow. I. 
I'm I will be disappointed if there's not a little ooh in there somewhere. What was that again? That was a yodel. That like I'm a not doing it twice. Call. I was gonna say I'm not doing it twice. <laughs> so you're you're like Pittsburgh's quarterback duck. <laughs> The kid who did the duck call, the world champion that's, duck caller who led them. A, uh, yep, that sounded a little bit like Bo Brinkley's uh, turkey call. Uh, that it's was, almost that time of year, too. <laughs> this is devolved, hasn't it? Look, when you got Amy Wells involved, it's I know you better put your seatbelt on. It's not going to <laughs> Jim Wyatt, how do people follow you on Twitter? You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Sports, and that's also my Instagram handle. At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. And you can listen to Dave McGinnis and myself along with Amy Wells and in the pregame, Jim Wyatt at Titans Radio. Again, we're on at 2 p.m. Central on stations all over Tennessee and actually all over the Mid-South. Again, 2 o'clock airtime, 305 kickoff, Titans and the Chargers. For Coach Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, and Jim Wyatt, I'm Mike Keith thanking you for joining us for this edition of the OTP. OTP.